I am Ray Keating, and this is Free Enterprise in three minutes. In this 187th episode, we're going to lay out the economic criteria for a sound tax system. Yes, I can hear people saying, sure, Ray, give it your best shot. Well, let's do that. What now? While every tax imposes costs and distorts decision-making in the private sector, the following eight basic principles can limit the damage, if you will, right? Limit the damage done by taxes. A sound tax system would feature the following. Number one, low flat tax rate to promote economic growth. The lower and more proportional or flatter the tax rate system, the better. Many debates over taxation tend to boil down to a more proportional or flatter system of tax rates versus a steeply progressive rate system. One may think of this debate as the two Ps, if you will, of taxation, proportional versus progressive. A proportional system means that an individual's tax bill will grow in proportion to the growth in that person's level of income. Meanwhile, a progressive tax system means that an individual will pay a larger share of income as income grows. Now, a steeply pro uh, progressive tax rate system creates two fundamental problems. First, tax fairness is lost as some individu individuals are forced to pay an increasingly larger share of their income in taxes. Number two, highly progressive rates of taxation create disincentives for working, saving, investing, and entrepreneurship. Essentially, a progressive tax rate structure punishes work effort, investment, entrepreneurship, and, well, success, and therefore the economy at large. The more proportional or flatter the tax system, the more efficient it is, economically speaking. Enhanced returns from working, saving, investing, and entrepreneurship, again, are not penalized with higher rates of taxation. Uh, and, of course, it's a fairer system. All right, number two. And by the way, this episode's going to run longer than usual. Number two, no taxation of capital. Taxing returns on investment and savings really makes no economic sense. Saving, investment, entrepreneurship are the driving forces of economic growth and job creation. Investing in new enterprises and new products and ideas and new tools and inventions and in the expansion of existing ventures remain the only means to real economic prosperity. That is, capital investment is crucial. After all, labor, right, is powerless without capital. It also must be recognized that investing in new or expanding businesses is an endeavor filled with risk and uncertainty. In order to ensure that investment and entrepreneurship occur, the opportunity for substantial returns must be present. Taxing capital gains is perhaps the most misguided policy. Number three, the inflation factor. The detrimental effects of inflation must be factored into any tax system's design, right? Inflation is a tax in itself, eating away at the purchasing power, savings, and investments of, of the populace. A tax system should be designed to avoid, one, encouraging the government's monetary authority to inflate so that the government collects more revenues without explicitly raising taxes by pushing taxpayers into higher tax brackets without real gains in income. And two, taxing illusory gains, as is the case with a non-indexed capital gains tax. All right, number four, fourth principle, clarity. The clearer the tax system, the better. Uh, 
taxes hidden from the public's eye are easier to raise, creating an environment where government officials can increase the size of government beyond any measure possible if costs were clear, manifest to taxpayers. The best tax system makes clear how much is owed, who is paying, and when the tax is being paid. All right, number five, simplicity. Tax payments should be made as easy and as simple as possible for the taxpayer without any loss of clarity. The costs of tax compliance should be minimal for individuals, for businesses, yes, for the government, and therefore the economy in general. However, Ease and simplicity and simplicity for the taxpayers often confused with ease of collection for the government. When the choice lies between greater ease and simplicity for the government versus greater ease and simplicity for the taxpayers, the decision should favor the taxpayers. All right, number six, limited bureaucracy and intrusiveness. The fewer tax collectors and more limited their powers, the better. Cost is a real concern. A tax system should be designed so that the tax collection bureaucracy is as small and minimally intrusive as possible. Principle number seven, minimize incentives for tax avoidance. What does that mean? Well, taxes should be low enough so as not to provide significant incentives for avoidance. Excessive tax rates promote tax avoidance and evasion. Finally, number eight, the eighth principle of a sound tax system, no additional taxes should provide no additional boost to government spending. A tax system's design should not make it any easier for government to increase expenditures. An important question applied to any form of taxation should be the following. Is a particular tax easy to raise, thereby allowing for considerable increases in government spending? The answer to this question should quite simply be no. Thanks for listening. By the way, please pick up the paperback or Kindle edition of my book, The Weekly Economist, 52 Quick Reads to help you think like an economist, perhaps get a copy for others, especially high school and college students. Like and follow us on Facebook at Free Enterprise Economics and on Twitter at Free Enterprise 7. And subscribe to the Free Enterprise in 3 Minutes podcast. Take care and, hey, think more like an economist.